Welcome to today's episode of Taking Care of Business. We are here with the main man in AI, Dr. Noah Rafford. Have I said that correct? That's correct, thanks. Okay, I'm gonna try and get your job title correct. The co-founder of Dubai Future Foundation, former advisory to Sheikh Mohammed bin Rashid Al Maktoum. Well, co-founder is probably putting it strongly. We okay. had a big team. I was the, one of the founding executives Amazing. and then acted as CEO, futurist in chief, chief of global affairs, and helped grow the team. But it was a it was a team effort. Wow, that's what I say all the time. We're, it's a team effort. We really, did really well. But it really was. It really is still, and they're still going strong. No, yeah. I know some of you guys that work work at uh, obviously it's a government uh, entity, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Future Foundation. Yep. So before we talk any further about which we're going to get into today, AI tech, where the world's going, what you're involved in, I think you are probably one of the most esteemed guests we've had on here for the tech side of the Dubai uh, world and the real estate market. Um, I want to talk to you very quickly about the Dubai Future Foundation because mm-hmm. I think that's quite an important factor. So the dumb version for someone like myself is Dubai Future Foundation built the Museum of the Future. Yeah, among other things, okay, yeah. Which is probably one of the key architectural points in Dubai today. Tell us a little bit outside of the Dubai Future Museum, what, what is the Dubai Future Foundation? Uh, I mean, it, it's a great question and obviously something that is near and dear to my heart. Um, the foundation actually spun out of a special projects team within the Prime Minister's office okay. uh, under His Excellency Mohammed Gergawi, who's the Minister of Cabinet Affairs and many other um, prestigious leadership positions. And at the time, we were working at the federal level and we were trying to just post financial crisis, understand what are the big trends and opportunities that are coming and how can we translate those into projects which help us get a better understanding of them, like test them out, prototype them, work with partners. Uh, because, you know, there'll be an example of that, by the way, a, a million examples. But like, for example, right in front of Emirates Towers, there's a, the world's first and only fully functional 3D printed building. Mm-hmm. Right? It looks like a little, beautiful little eggshell yeah. futuristic thing. Um, that was one of the projects which I had the privilege of, of leading at the time. And the question there that we were trying to answer was we see 3D printing, we see robotic uh, construction, additive manufacturing, all this kind of digitization of the construction supply chain uh, was nibbling away at different parts. Of, of how this worked. And obviously construction at the time was around 14, 15% of Dubai's economy. So it's kind of a big deal. So if, uh, if you were trying to set the agenda for what the future of the city and the industry looks like, well, you need to kind of understand this big disruptive trend. And the best way to do that is to actually do something with the people who are building it. So we decided to, uh, first we put together an industry group, a, a coalition of different academics and technologists and construction people, and try to figure out how real is this? And then out of that group, we explored things in retail and medical and developed this longer term uh, strategy. But out of that group, this consortium came out and said, hey, I actually think we can build a building. And I I thought, no way, like maybe in five years or something. But um, we did our due diligence on them. We developed a proposal, brought that to leadership for approval. And they said, much to my surprise, delight and horror, yeah, let's do it, but build it right there. And right there was right in front of Emirates Towers and between Emirates Towers and DIFC, which which uh, sounded fantastic at the time, because what better platform could you have? But when you're doing something like that, which had never been done before, with people uh, who had never worked together before in that capacity, it's kind of a high risk, high reward setting. So effectively, Sheikh Mohammed and his team, is that what we're saying, have sanctioned the Dubai Future Foundation to do the first ever 3D build in front of Emirates Towers. That's right, yeah. And did it go to exactly to plan or not? Uh, no, uh, it wasn't exactly the vision, <laughs> okay. let's say. Yeah. Um, it was a little late than, uh, it was a little later than we had anticipated, okay. but, um, and there was obviously all the challenges associated with construction. I mean, you yeah. guys are in real estate, so you know how hard it is to get something done mm-hmm. here, even for like a traditional build. 
But in this case, we had a manufacturer in China who was printing the floors, walls, and ceilings. And, and then we had uh, local engineers and architects. And uh, we had a variety of different contractors and specialists on there. And it ended up becoming um, you know, quite a stressful project because yeah. it was so visible right there, even though we had hoardings in front of it. Uh, and we were trying to figure out these problems on the fly. But, but that's kind of the point. And that's part of the point of the foundation, or at least yeah. its, its inception, is to to take these difficult challenges that you couldn't really do without leadership approval, right? Like and that, funding as well, I guess. And funding in that case, um, we but we provided the seed funding for that. But so many of the partners were interested in exploring this. Yeah, they were working for freer at cost there. So right. you know, when you have, and I think that's part of the lesson of Dubai's leadership here is when you set out this super inspiring bold vision, and then you provide permission for people to actually test it out and implement it. People bring skin to the game, you know, they bring their A game. And particularly in this case, nowhere else in the world was letting, you know, full scale construction yeah. happen. Um, so, you know, it had some growing pains and there was, I spent more time on that site as a contractor and building manager <laughs> than I had any right to. But in the end, you know, it, it opened and it delivered. And when His Highness Sheikh Mohammed came for the opening, um, he said, great, you know, you've built one, where's the next 10,000? Oh, wow. And that begat the Dubai 3D printing strategy that uh, Dubai municipality took over and the vision to try to implement 3D printing and robotic construction. How is that now? Is that, is that, is it can, it's evolving. Yeah. You know, I think that's part of the lesson. Um, a lot, the outside world often looks at Dubai and sees these huge announcements and things. Yeah. Okay, great. That's super ambitious, but it'll never happen. Yeah. But really, it's a kind of a venture capital approach to this, right? All of these things are possible and you're kind of betting on multiple horses. Uh, and whilst a given project might not come to fruition on time or yeah. in the way that you imagined, the cumulative effect something of all of that, of something happens, right? Same I think that's the entrepreneur, entrepreneurial effect of Dubai. And I think the vision, if you go to like the UK, for instance, trying to get funding to build a building in 3D, it took in 10, 15 years to get approval. Absolutely. What I love about Dubai is the people that come here, I mean, this is how my, my business ethos has probably come a lot from shame having Dubai. I break it mm. and I build it and I break it and I build it until I get to the end my first question is, um, what's the problem? How do I fix it? And then you, right? And that is Dubai Future Foundation, effectively. One hundred percent, and that's direct from His Highness and His Excellency Mohammed Gadgawi. And you know, it it could seem a little mental from the outside perspective, yeah. but it's actually tremendously sophisticated if you really think it through, because you you kind of have a direction of travel or a goal. Yeah. But you're doing something that's never been done before. So you can't kind of bring in best practices or standard operating procedures. You know, it's just like building a company. That would never you know? work in the UK and US because you'd have to have a special forces unit that is has authority to override every red tape in the world, which is why I suppose Dubai is probably the most thriving city in the world right now. I yeah. think that it's just, it is catapulted. I mean, if you go back 10 years ago, I've lived here since 2006. <clears throat> If you go back 17 years ago, it was the city that was paid with gold. And then it turned into the city that made millionaires. And I think where it's at right this second is it has the culture, it has the people, it has the staffing, it has the vision, it has the taxation, it has the lifestyle, it has everything. Mm -hmm. Like the US is dangerous. Mm -hmm. The UK economy is just all over the place at the moment. Pretty mildly. Wildly, <laughs> yeah. And then you've got places like Russia and Ukraine currently with their political situation. Everywhere you go, and then you look at Dubai. And if you have a vision in Dubai, there are people, I'm meeting people from Russia, Japan, China, mm -hmm. they're bringing their vision here to try and make it work, and that's yeah. amazing. To see and everyone gets along. That's the other remarkable yeah. thing. I mean, Dubai is the most cosmopolitan city in the world. Yeah. More people living here who have been born somewhere else than any other city in the world, right? Do you know why I love it here? So let's say with you, you have a visa, okay. On that visa, you're paid. Mm -hmm. On that visa, you know where your jar is. 
They also know your blood type. Yep. They got your facial recognition. So at any point, anything goes wrong, they're up pinpoint where you live, how much you work, what's going on. You can't leave the country if something dramatically goes That's wrong right. now. Some people call that extreme. But for me, it's such a controlled way to live. Not as in you're suffocated. I would not live here if I was mm-hmm. suffocated. Mm-hmm. But what I feel here with the two kids and a wife and two dogs and houses, is I feel safe. Mm-hmm. Because the people that are all in this city and country are accountable for living here. Mm-hmm. And that is massive for me. And it's a huge competitive advantage. You know, there's the, the Chinese call this the right to life, right? It's about having energy, electricity, infrastructure, education, safety, you know, the things that we need, yeah. right? the fundamental things that we need. Um, in a way which is still humane and, yeah. and open and cosmopolitan. And I think very few places in the world, uh, if any, really have perfected the mixture that Dubai has. And there's a reason it keeps succeeding. I think the thing is in the UK specifically, or the U- US. I'm American. Okay. Yeah, I have an American so, passport, I should say. I haven't lived there for since, I don't know, 2002 or something. Same, same. <laughs> so I think if you take UK and US, there's so many human rights issues mm-hmm. and everyone's too afraid to go past what is politically correct for what's actually good for the people. Mm-hmm. That's a completely different subject on that, but I think that is why Dubai has succeeded. Is it's just a good place to hold yourself accountable to live here and be yeah. a good person to live here. Totally. And it's expensive now, but it's still, you know, the sky's the limit. Like you can yeah. still come here and start a business. I mean, you're a great example. There's other people coming in. Like you said, you're great. I was like, thank well, you. Well, you're great. <laughs> no, no, exactly. Um, but it's still, it still is in some ways the American dream, right? And I don't mean that in a nationalistic sense, but yeah. the American dream was come work hard, have a vision, don't be a jerk. Yeah. Chances are you'll, you'll be successful. That's not the case in the States anymore. Yeah. And whilst it's challenging here, you know, the, the floor is higher, more yeah. and more people, international quality. It's better and, you know, people here now. Better people are coming. It's more competitive. It's more expensive. But that, you know, diamond meets diamond. It starts to grind. Yeah, I, I think, you know, in, let's say in the real estate world, um, you know, how many hundreds of businesses have started this year? And there's been some good ones yeah. and the year before. But what I find is that as long as I'm racing next to somebody, it makes me run faster. You know, I don't, if I'm an autopilot, I'm actually my worst. My best way in life is when I'm uncomfortable. If I'm uncomfortable at my best, when I'm cruising, it's easy to do, but it's just not an exciting life. You know, that's when you make a mistake and somebody laps you. Correct. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to get onto the deep dive of why I brought you here. So I think you were doing a talk last week at the Arts Club, mm-hmm. right, correct? And mm-hmm. I've also watched you on a TED talk where you had these 1.7 million views on one, on one uh, podcast and you were talking about gaming and that industry and how that can have a massive overturn on people's opinions and politics but all the tech around the world the main one that's got my eye at the moment in business and for my life is ai rightfully so so question i've got for you did you watch the google launch i did okay yeah. we were both geeks aren't we so i was messaging alini as well i had a pr but she didn't watch it and most people are not interested in what i'm interested in and the reason i'm interested in the google launch i think they said it said something crazy like 400 times the word AI kept coming up yeah. in their chat. And what I love about the Google launch is they launched a new Pixel Fold, which I've ordered, by the way, and the Google <laughs> tab, I've ordered that as well, and the watch, I think I've ordered every How time. much Google stock do you have? None of them, but I shouldn't <laughs> invest, really, shouldn't I? Now, I'm gonna to touch on that very quickly. Do you know why I think Google's gonna take over? Yeah, it's interesting, tell me, Ken. Google will take over Apple, mm. and Apple is the monopoly. The reason Google's gonna take over Apple is Google's ecosystem, which iOS has had for years, yeah. has destroyed everybody. Yeah. But now you've got G Suite linked into ChatGPT and Bard and everything else built into it and Google Photos, which you can now download on Apple. The ecosystem for Google is going to overtake iOS. 
Those are fighting words, mate. Yeah. yeah. It could, but well, I think... Quite that, well. I'm, it, I'm, I'm, I'm an Apple man. I, I, but I, I think it's exciting times, for, even for these industry incumbents, these giants, for that reason, because you probably saw that leaked Google memo or sort of released Google memo where they're saying, we don't have a moat. Yeah. You know, in venture terms, a moat is the thing that you can defend against with your competitors. Yeah. It can be data or, or patented IP or team or whatever that looks like. Market access, regulatory uh, approvals. Um, and historically, search and their superior you know, research results have been their moat. But you start to see this now with people interacting with ChatGPT as if it were a search engine, yeah. even if the results are hallucinated, right? Yeah. And with Google, with Microsoft's integration with Bing, it starts to get it starts to get validated more and GPT plugins. But I think that they got the message right. They realized that this is to your point. Like they were not that they were coasting, yeah. right? Because they'd been investing tremendous amounts of expertise and money into AI, but hadn't seen it as core to their existential future. Yeah. And you know, OpenAI and ChatGPT and Microsoft and you know, Anthropic and Solidity and all these other companies are now exploding around them. And they're like, oh wait, it's time to rethink this. So yeah. it's going to be a race. And it, it, you very, it very, you very well could have a situation as you described. There are a variety of situations where Apple acquires some other you know, yeah. technologies, where OpenAI integrates stronger with Microsoft. You know, it, it's exciting times, right? I think the person that can integrate this, the company that integrated into someone's life, becomes the win. So, for instance, totally. if you remember, I don't know if I'm Ask Jeeves. Yeah. Years ago. Yeah. yeah I'm that, that old. Was, yeah. uh, that was, uh, <laughs> it was that, I'm, I'm 37. So like, I think yeah. at the time, Ask Jeeves was the first search. I remember, oh my God, you can go on the internet, ask this man a question. Yeah. And then it's gone into uh, Yahoo and then yeah. it went to Google. Now we're at ChatGPT. And I think through this transition, the main thing is if my mum, who's 63, sorry, mum, shout out your age on TV. Um, if, if my mum was 63 and she knows how to Google it, mm-hmm. it means that they've done a great job to transition mm-hmm. their lifestyle. Mm-hmm. The big question is who can get the AI chat into people's lives? Yeah. And that's the big question because, you know, you can talk about generative AI where you can mm-hmm. say, make, I see one, make me a, a unicorn picture eating a, uh, a, a truffle pizza dipped in tomato sauce. And two minutes later, this, yeah. how do I get my mum to do that is, is very different. So, I'm very interested to know about AI. So all the stuff that we have, I'm going to ask you a straight question. Mm. AI, is it going to kill a lot of jobs? Yes, and. Okay. So um, yes, as in uh, the thing to think about is imagine we ha- you have to have GPT or whatever version of that you have, yeah. Mama or Bard, et cetera. It's basically like having a free quasi-PhD level assistant yeah right i mean the the level of competence there was a study which recently came out where they were looking at the not just the test results because yeah. gpt4 can already outcompete people on sats gres o levels etc like you know by 30 40 50 percent but we all know tests and grades aren't the only thing that matter in life yeah. right when it comes down to actually doing things right way down there. i mean <laughs> i wasn't allowed into uh secondary school because i have a i'm very disruptive and right. i've got a very bad attention span a perfect so entrepreneur. I'm talking to you more than five minutes. It yeah. means that I like you. Yeah, perfect. Well, but perfect <laughs> entrepreneur. And it just goes yeah. to demonstrate that like expertise and skills are come in a variety of forms, right? Yeah. But when you start to apply that in the real world setting, like in sales and the classic examples, which is Article Explorer, we're in complex medical diagnoses, so yeah. basically operating like a bedside doctor and complex legal and tax advice, right? And it's already at the 85, 90% range. Yeah. And it, on some level, you think, okay, I, w- I don't want a 90% accurate doctor. I want a doctor who's going to give me 100%, if that's even possible. Um, and we're lucky to have access to yeah. good quality services especially here. Especially here, by the way. Especially here, Big exactly. Shout out to the Dubai uh, Health Authority. It's, it, it's, inc- it's incredible. But the reality is most people in the world, even, you know, you go on a four-hour flight from here, yeah. a third of the world's population is within four-hour flight 
two thirds of the world's population within an eight hour flight. A lot of those people don't even have access to basic levels of, educa of, of educational services, healthcare, dentistry, you know, consultation, legal advice, business advice, et cetera. One of my family members, he's not um, one of my family members two months ago, a month ago, got told they needed uh, quite a serious operation mm -hmm, female. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And they said, yeah, no problem, we'll get you in. This is the UK. Two and a half year wait for a serious operation. Serious. So my family went, no problem, look, we'll private it. Mm -hmm. It was like £8,000 to mm. the operation. Three days later, they were in. That shows you it's another conversation. Yeah. How far away the UK and US world is for medical. Absolutely. And I, I think that's going to be more and more the case because you're going to see now people around here, not in Dubai and UAE, obviously, because we have very excellent service, but people who haven't historically had access to that yeah. suddenly have like, you know, kind of a magical genie assistant. Yeah. That's going to be able to provide for them almost world quality advice on any topic. So if you think about that from a hiring perspective, you're like, okay, great. Like I can get pretty darn good expertise basically for free on anything. Yeah. That's a massive productivity booster. How do, okay, so I've got some examples which I'm gonna share with people that are not a high level AI. I'm gonna go through that in a minute because I've got some examples that if you're watching this, you're gonna be like, oh my God, the world's upside down. So I'm talking about that in a second. But with AI specifically, <clears throat> how do they generate all this information? Where does it come from? And how do, you, how do they collate that to a point is it just a Google search or is there a lot more technical information in there? Well, it's not inaccurate to say that there's a little bit of all of us yeah. in AI. Mm. It's literally trained on trillions of yeah. data points, right? And a data point can be a blog post, a tweet, a news article, financial records, yeah. all of that information is out there. Uh, and then it's basically through a kind of complicated series of transformations. Um, a statistical analysis of like, if you say these things in this order, in this way, what's the most likely thing next that makes sense, right? Uh, so it's not intelligent in the traditional sense, like yeah. it has a sense of itself, yeah. it knows, but it's, it's basically there, trained right? on all human knowledge, yeah. right? And whilst we're generating more and more knowledge every day, the world for 99% of our interactions isn't yeah. that different, right? It isn't that complex, right? Yeah. Most of your social interactions, most of your business dealings, You've become good at it enough that you can yeah. do it. And so AI is already at that level right now, ba again, basically for free, right? Do you know where they say oil is the data is the new oil? Mm -hmm. So one of the main things for me is uh, Tesla. So mm -hmm. I used to have a, have you had a Tesla before? I do. I have a Tesla. Yeah. Fine. So I've, yeah. I had a Tesla for two years, I had a Tesla X. Probably the best car I've ever driven. That's mm -hmm. the only truth. Had more luxurious cars, but this car is A1. Totally now, agree. I'm going to tell you why Tesla will win the worldwide battle. Yeah. So Porsche, Rolls-Royce, they're all launching cars at the moment. Tesla will win because they have billions, if not trillions of hours of recorded driving where they are literally automating this, this position of data to a point of where, let's say one road you go down hundreds of times a day, they will tell you exactly how that road should be driven. Porsche, Rolls-Royce will never have that data. So let me tell you the forecast for why I think will happen. Porsche, Rolls-Royce, Range Rover, they will all have operating systems of Tesla. I think you're right. Yeah, I think you're right in the long run. Or it's some variation thereof. In the same way that you start to see now different brands uh, licensing Tesla charging, mm. right? So you, that's a great example of that. Yeah. Right? Um, and that data is a competitive advantage there, right? And clearly the winners in the big AI world are going to be the platforms, right? OpenAI, Google, you know. But the things that's so exciting for me and, and part of the reason that I decided to, you know, leave government and yeah. 
beautifully, my job was done, everybody's still friends, is great, and still in touch with those guys. But was this exciting opportunity right now to make these sort of life-changing yeah. amounts of money and life-changing impacts building on the back of those platforms, right? Yeah. And so we're gonna be in this very interesting market for another two to three years where you can create basically niche companies, right, on the top of these billions and billions of dollars of AI, of, of AI computational power. This solves a very specific pain point yeah. for a very specific community better than anyone else can. So this is what I'm gonna get onto. I wanna talk about your venture, but mm -hmm. I'm gonna give you a couple of examples that mm -hmm. I've written down here that literally I've Googled AI, world-class tech that has come out and how it's going to change the world. So first one, law. Mm. So in America, uh, ChatGPT or the version of that has took a court case and it has took historical bylaw of every case that has happened and presented to the judge on why this should not happen. Like, just so anyone understands who understands how law works, basically in the UK, US, they have historical law. They have a lawyer that will present the case, but has to do research on exactly what's happened over the years. They are no longer needed. Yeah. Which blew my mind. So this lawyer, judge has received all the information from AI. Yeah. So that's a lawyer. Yeah, and there's a funny, there's a funny nuance to that. There was a company, I can fight my ticket or beatmyticket.com or something, yeah. where this guy basically was, was providing AI law services for like fighting traffic tickets and traffic violations. Yeah. And he made a big deal announcing it uh, because the system was pretty accurate. Like yeah. it knew the bylaws, it could do all this. But in order for it to work, you had to physically have a human in the courtroom with a, like exactly, a Bluetooth yeah. receiver. And the US bar associations went wild because it's illegal to have recording devices in there oh, and wow. use that as a means to basically shut them down. So like one week there was this extra, extraordinary news affair around AI is coming to, AI replacing but that lawyers. Change, you know? though, it, I, not, I, I think your point, your larger point is, is good. Yeah. So the next one I want to give to you. So this happens with our coders. Yeah. Our coders now are building websites, but they're building the code from saying, make me a JavaScript website that does this, 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 and this. And then, but there's something wrong with it. Please debug this code. Yeah. So website designers totally. are in trouble. The next one, singers. Yeah. So AI have just made a song from Drake. Mm -hmm. So Drake's come out and the song's come out and Drake's now haven't sung that song. So off the back of that is a singer called Grimes. Yep. Grimes has come out and said, AI, go ahead, you make me a song. So they've made songs from this uh, artist Grimes. and said, all I want from is 50%. Go and make the song. So they're able to do the lyrics, take her voice. So one of the things that happened to me recently in our tech team, we had we discussed new tech and the make yeah. and break theory, and they took my podcasts and took my voice. Yeah. And they were talking and so they were typing out what to say, and my voice was coming through. And it was very, very similar. So the reason I'm telling you that is twofold. Obviously, singers, they're killing them, not killing them literally, but killing what they're doing in the creatives or mm -hmm. maybe a different way of how they're gonna sell their product. But the other thing is security. So I bank with a UK bank. I'm not gonna call them out mm -hmm. here because I know the CEO very well. And we and can replicate your voice and probably call so, it. <laughs> exactly. So they said to me, um, do you want to change your password to a voice where you say my voice is my password? So they said, if you wanna say that now, we can activate. I was like, not a chance no way. am I letting you do that. So that's singers. The next one I've got here is teachers. So mm -hmm. there's already AI tool out to grade essays. So again, what's the point of teachers? There's a, a chat AI where you can explain something in a five-year-old terminology. Mm -hmm. Explain how dinosaurs were made or extinct for a five-year-old. And they're able to break that term. So all of these different industries that we're talking about, 
they've all had a bit of trouble unless they adapt to what they're, they're doing. And, and I, adaptation is the key, right? So you asked me if I think AI is going to kill jobs, and I said sort of yes and, mm. right? But all these examples which you've just provided yeah. are examples of taking something that used to be scarce, precious, yeah. right? Expertise, information, and intelligence used to be scarce, yes. uh, and making it commonly available which in some market dynamics lowers the value of that thing, Correct. right? If the supply goes to the roof, then the value of intelligence diminishes. Uh, and, I, and I think that's going to be the case for a little while whilst yeah, we adapt. You know, all these specialist skills like copywriter, advertising, you know, editing, basic podcast production, video production, So everyone editing, in this room, this you know? is what you said. <laughs> I had a yeah. PRs looking at us going, great. And the videographers are actually... Uh, yeah, PR, uh, you know, yeah. like all of these things are going to be going through this period of time where you're going to have competitors that are cheaper, yeah. arguably as good, yeah. right? Um, but that also does two, that does another thing simultaneously, which is raises the capabilities of, of everyone, mm. right? So if the thing that, like take typing as an example, yeah. right? In the old days, I mean, even writing, right? In Arabic, khatib used to be someone who was a scribe, yeah. right? And if you could learn how to type, you had a marketable skill. Yeah. Now everyone can type, right? Uh, and so these things which used to be difficult to find, you know, expert sales advice, expert, you know, domain knowledge, yeah. these things are going to be commonly available. And for a while, the price, the floor is going to, you know, drop out, right? But things will adapt and you will be able to use that thing which was previously scarce and make it abundant is going to open up new possibilities yeah. for doing things, right? right? So the old sales-based scarcity approach isn't going to fly anymore, but you're going to see this generation of new employees, entrepreneurs, startups, companies who are building on top of that thing because it's so bloody cheap right now, yeah. right? That you can do amazing things which, you know, you weren't even possible beforehand. So right. that's why it's going to kill a lot of jobs as we know it now in the short term. Do you know one of our ideas we're building in a Tell it to me. So again, I'm happy to share it because if someone could talk it, virtual building is different. A couple of basic things that I took from the Google mm -hmm. um, Google Meet. So one of the uh, Google launch. So one of them was you see the Wendy's launch when mm -hmm. they had mm -hmm. the. So how cool would it be on your mobile platform to say, I'm looking for a two bedroom and it's got to be have a swim pool, uh, 150,000. Let me know what you've got. Audio pulls that through and does a search engine on the spot. So that's one. Funny you should mention it. Okay, so I so it's coming up, so maybe conversation after this that we can have. Uh, the next one that we want to launch is um, taking people's schools mm -hmm. where they work, taking the historical locations of where they travel and then offering, offering them properties based on where their Google locations have been over the totally. an average point. So there's some really cool, and I've got more that we can launch, but I might head of tech says to me, write it all down and we'll see which one actually is worth the while. But I think that if you go back to the consumer, you've got to make the consumer's job easier. That's yeah. the purpose. Yeah, it, totally. It? And I think those are all great examples of, of what I was alluding to before. Because these things are now, now che so cheap yeah. and so capable, you know, you're going to be able to make viable products, even if it's only people in Dubai or yeah. only your customers who use them, that it's worth the investment, right? Like they'll get value of it. It's not gonna out of it. It's not gonna cost you too much money to develop. And it's the kind of thing, whereas, you know, in the old days, like, you know, I don't know, like when, when it was more expensive and difficult to travel, yeah. I would never think about like going and visiting a relative in a different country yeah. without like planning months in advance. Now with air travel being so cheap, you just pop in there and you're good, right? You should prefer the airline. Yeah. Well, Emirates, of course. Emirates, yeah, 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 of course. The comfort. Of course. The comfort <laughs> yeah. And if you get the A318, you get the bar. It's, yeah, no you contest. Can't compare. You no cannot contest. compare. Singapore Air is pretty darn good as well, but you know, Emirates I'm, is, I'm yeah. hyper loyal. Like, yeah, same. I did transition for a bit to BA, British Airways. Why? Because their business first class, uh. is that, it's quite weird actually, because uh. their business first class, uh, they face each other. Uh. 
So the first time I did it, my wife was like, oh, this is wicked. And then bearing in mind, I've been with my wife 11 years. So you imagine sitting one there and one there. And there's really, you know, you look at each other, you're right. And it was really awkward. And I was like, <laughs> I don't think I can do like eight hours like again. So I was like, no. Like, Even if you know them, you look, you're yeah. just looking at them. You know they're watching TV, but you're looking at them. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, good. Okay. So let's get on to what you are doing. Yeah. Obviously, this is the exciting bit for me. Tell us a little bit about the event, the ventures that you're getting into and what you're trying to achieve with it. Sure, totally. So um, my main thing right now is a co-founder and CEO of, a, of an AI company called Lazy Brain. Okay. And in exactly in the same uh, spirit as you've got these ideas for a specific community solving a specific need, we're building a conversational AI okay. that sits on top of your address book and is basically useful for everybody like you and me yeah. whose professional success depends upon the people you know okay. and the relationships you manage. Like when I was in the foundation, um, part of my job was liaising with all sorts of entrepreneurs and scientists and politicians and diplomats and journalists. And there's only so much you can keep in your brain of course. at any given time. And you have this availability recall thing, this availability bias. So you think, who's the last couple of people I met? Yeah. They're going to feature more in your mind when you're thinking about who to talk to than somebody who might, let's say, be more relevant to the topic at hand, but yeah. you just haven't thought about them for a year or so. So, you know, this uh, company is called Lazy Brain, building it with two co-founders, both of whom are extremely successful entrepreneurs, um, built a huge virtual reality company, big mobile app studio in the early 2000s before they sold it. And, you know, they're my age, right? Okay. So we're in our 40s. Late 20s. You know? Yeah, I, you know, f- <laughs> 45 minutes, yeah. No, but I think that's part, that's also, I think, part of the important point right now, because yeah. historically the startup sort of mindset, the stereotype was like you had to eat ramen noodles and be a 20-year-old and no. sleep on the floor and, you know, do, grind 72 hours a day. Um, and that, you know, reflected a certain level of technological development and access to capital. But now experience, know-how. team, know-how, vision uh, trumps yeah, that, right? 100%. You can build empires with much less capital. I'm sure that me and you could go into any boardroom at AI and real estate level and you give me three hours with a company in real estate, you give a younger guy 50 hours a week and they still would not get anywhere near me. And that's Absolutely. what you're investing in, isn't it? Absolutely. So we have, um, you know, developed some some extremely exciting tech, which builds on top of, uh, of OpenAI integrated with Microsoft um, that solves basically all the pain points around managing your personal and professional network. Okay. The point being, right, when you think, okay, I'm going to, I've got a conference in Paris. Yeah. Who do I know in tech and AI in Paris? Um, who is free and I like. And will that integrate into LinkedIn and Gmail everywhere that's... Draws from all your contact databases and then it reminds you in a clever way who would be relevant to your search in in like a second and third order fashion. So it's not just like, who do I know in tech? It'll bring up a list of that. Right now you can do that. Who do I know in tech in Paris? It'll bring up a list of that. Um, but you can ask these really obscure questions like ChatGPT, like what's the best restaurant in Paris? You know, and it will go through your contact database, has a rich profile of them, figure out, okay, Jean is a chef. He lives in Lyon right now, but he travels to Paris a lot. I'm going to ask wow. him on your behalf what the best restaurant would be and then bounce that back to you. Is that because you're following his social media to see where he's, is it as technical advanced as that? Yeah, so we don't do that, that kind of web scraping and stuff. Okay. It's all relationship driven. So okay. if I have Jean in my address book, yeah. for example, and I know that he's interested in food, high, high cuisine. How would you, you know, know that though? Because I met him. Right? Okay, so you've got to add it manually first. Ah, good question, yeah. right? So we draw from all of the public information about there someone, you create go. a rich yeah. profile of that, yeah. right? But then our really killer sauce, which I probably shouldn't be mentioning here, anyway. is uh, 
Yeah. So then when you meet someone new, yeah. you just talk to your AI, right? Yeah. As if it was a personal assistant. Oh, you know, I met Aline. We caught up at uh, yeah. Alstop and Alstop and we were doing this and that. And we were going to talk about this and remind me to ask her about that thing. And right? then it's able to collate all that information. Instantly tags it, Very wraps cool. it around her contact database. So then I'll follow up with whatever we were going to talk about. But then a year later, I might meet someone and they say, hey, do you know anybody who's interested in, you know, tech and real estate? Yeah. Right. And I might have forgotten about you guys, right? Yeah. But I just tech and real estate, and it'll remind me. Oh yeah, you guys did that podcast together. She was talking yeah. to you about this thing, and uh, very clever. It's there, and then I can have a message automatically written. Yeah, to I was going to say to you that's my big thing. That's Are you able to not mass message, but if they're in your contacts, and I've got eight people that are chefs in France, am I able to say message these guys because I want someone to do my job for me? Yes. See their name in your tone of voice, relevant to the last conversations that you had. And we're also very sensitive too, because you know, there is that uncanny valley of we don't yeah. want people to think that they're talking to you when it's actually a robot, right? Yeah. So we're very explicit. And I think that's part of the competitive advantage now, you know, being able to differentiate yeah. a human from a from a, a I, I think I can do that you know? quite well. Like if I go onto a website or someone's messaging me, you know from the personal tone. I mean, that will change in terms of your tech. If, yeah. if you're able to put the personal tone and people know me, I'm full of spelling mistakes. Like <laughs> yeah, you exactly. know it's me right, immediately. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And they're like, oh, I haven't heard from you for a little while. And at a certain point, it'll bump it up to you to yeah. be able to interact with, right? Because you don't want to just have your robots talking to of other course. robots all the time. That'd be weird. Because you know, then you bump into you, the person, and you're like, you're in Paris, and you're like, oh, God, thank That wasn't me. <laughs> exactly. That's my robot. <laughs> exactly. There's a whole realm of just science fiction dystopia around that. So um, when are you launching this? Ah, that's a good question. We just finished our first version of our technical MVP. Amazing. Close our friends and family round. It's oversubscribed. Really exciting. Some local investors. Thank you very much. Big, big milestone for any investor. Really exciting. We've got a nice, tight, really high-end team yeah. built, incorporated in building it in Switzerland because we also believe that contrary to LinkedIn or Salesforce, yeah. when you're dealing with personal, high-value, sensitive relationships, yeah. you want to own that data. Definitely. Right? You don't want that exposed to Facebook yeah. or anything. Um, so, do, you, do you think... Do you think having Facebook Salesforce data is cross-fertilized and... Well, it's kind of out there in the ether everywhere. Even on right? Salesforce? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, really? Yeah, absolutely. Because think about it. I mean, obviously not the specific database fields yeah. they're in, but like, you know, I don't want to in any way speak badly of Salesforce. They're We're about to get but... shut down from Salesforce. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, they're, they're a tool, but you know, you think they exist as a tool in this larger information ecosystem, yeah. which includes thousands of companies that are harvesting this data anyway, selling it uh, to I've never thought everyone. of that. So if you, you think know? about this, let's say also, also we're on Salesforce. We register around 5,000 clients a month on our mm-hmm. database. Mm-hmm. Every month, Dubai residents, expats, investors, they go onto our database, but really Salesforce's database. So they're able to get that data if they want. And I suppose, I don't know the T's and C's, and again, mm-hmm. sorry Salesforce for saying this, but you're probably able to cross-sell socially via the data that they've received to, yeah. to whatever they think is a relevant field. I'm sure they don't, but, but it, hypothetically. hypothetically. And, wow. and there are other companies that do, right? Yeah. Um, and so I think there's there's this, the reason like Apple bet itself on privacy and like yeah. doubling down on that is because of the Cambridge Analytica stuff and the Facebook leaks and all that sort of thing. And also to compete against Google. That's probably... And to compete against Google. What 100%. was the stat with that? So just for anyone watching this, uh, Apple about a year ago they stopped advert tracking on yeah. their mobile. My, now, I let advert tracking happen because yeah. I like to get sold stuff that I'm interested in. <laughs> My brother's full-on advert tracking off. Yeah, on. yeah, yeah, same for me. Are you, you like that? Yeah, as well, same yeah. for me. So what that's done for anybody that's interested in knowing Google's biggest thing is PPC and social adverts, etc. They're able to literally, I think they took billions off yeah, yeah, massive. you on the spot. Massive. So this yeah. is a massive, not play of war, but effectively it's a big damage. To, it is. To, yeah. And, and, and you know, I also think we're, we're, we're sort of transitioning out of that 
you know, surveillance capitalism era, yeah. right? Because the old adage was, if the pro- if the product is free, you are the product. Yeah, yeah, you know? and that's the case in that in, in that whole social media world. Like, we don't own what we put on Instagram. We don't own what we put on all, all this information. You get an advert you know? on Instagram, you are an advert. That's you know, exactly that's it. Like, right. You post a picture for your friends to see, no problem. But Instagram is tracking where you live, what you're looking at, even if you delete it. They'll see who you're looking at and they're able to target you based on that. And all that's scraped by who knows how many other third parties Correct. and replicated and resold and stuff. I'm so. okay with that, by the yeah. way. Some I people are. Products. Some I people are. Products. Yeah, but I also think those are, it's not a mutually exclusive thing. Yeah. Right? And that's why I think we're entering an era of, um, you know, owning your own data, of being sensitive to privacy and still being able to run a killer product. And, you know, that that's what we're doing with LazyBrain, for example. Like, we don't even have access to your own data. Like, we've yeah. got this really great distributed encryption scheme. So it's like, you are the only one who has access to your data or the people that you share it with in your contact network. So it's not a social media platform. We don't need, like, 100 million users to, re- to derive value. We derive value from every single person who derives value from yeah. the service itself and pays us a monthly fee. Yeah. So it's a, it's a slightly different approach, and I think we're going to see more and more of that coming. Definitely. Uh, I mean, that, that's yeah. your service sounds like it's for entrepreneurs down to a socialites. It's, yeah, exactly. it's literally like a lifestyle yeah. um, slash business. I'm not going to call it concierge, but it's it's someone to connect everything you're doing together. That's it. It's like a, it's like a personal networking coach, basically, you know, uh, with the emphasis being on quality, not quantity. You know? So Lazy Brain, uh, when that launches, obviously would be happy to um, you know, and we have another podcast to discuss that. Happy to. Yep. Last question got, got for you about Dubai. Dubai going into the next 10 years, what do you think that's got up its sleeve that people are going to be wowed by in terms of tech yeah. or where Dubai is going? I mean, it's such, it's such an exciting time, I think, for the whole country, for the yeah. whole region, in fact. Um, you know, there's uh, the whole country is leveling up, right? I mean, just down the road in Rasulhaima, you see the announcement of the wind resorts, you know, right? Yeah, it's going to be massive. It's going to be massive. Of course, I'm going to go there. It's going to be a wild experience, you know? Um, Of course, Dubai prototyped that just after the, you know, illegally or sort of semi-licitly with all of the Chinese gambling dens and Emirates Hills and stuff, you know, it's like wild, right? But that demand is there. But that was not Uh, legitimate, was it? No, not at all. Not at all. Yeah. They they still exist, by the way. This is is the thing. And I think, again, we'll come on to Dubai in a minute. I think that obviously Dubai... the country when we have to be aware of that and i think that what dubai and ras al khaimah has especially with abu dhabi and i'm just going to say how it is is dubai and dubai and ras al khaimah specifically dubai has a lot more culturally diverse appetites and people that live here compared to abu dhabi and i think that changes over time because mm-hmm. especially the local population if you go back to 2006 seven, eight, when i was here it was very much i don't know if you remember uh you know it was the man in front of the woman mm-hmm. and uh, you watch mm-hmm. today's local and they're together. Mm-hmm. And it's just a different mindset. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the same with Dubai. Mm-hmm. Um, Dubai's mindset is faster that, that mm-hmm. you know, it's the nightclubs and mm-hmm. the, the socialites. And I don't know, I think Dubai is just a few steps ahead of, of, of the rest of the I, I think it's all a very complimentary fabric, yeah. you know? Um, you know, because there are things which come with Dubai's speed and experimentation and entrepreneurship, yes. which, you know, raises some problems, you gotta work it out, right? And so uh, other Emirates observe that and pick the things that are appropriate for them yeah. and then double down and do it at scale or do it differently. So we're really lucky to have this sort of tapestry so, of, yeah. of different locations. But I think that net net, you know, there's a, a graph that I also run an advisory practice with a friend and colleague of mine, Trevor McFarland, it's called Amir Emerging Markets Intelligence Research. Um, it's a network of the three or 400 regional international CEOs. 
And, uh, and one of the slides which I show in a lot of my briefings is this map of the movement of millionaires and billionaires yeah. around the world over the last year. And the UAE received the highest number of millionaires and billionaires of any country in the world, right? About, uh, about half of which which came here were Russian or yeah. for, from, from Russia, um, and most of whom ended up uh, in, in Dubai. Yeah. You know, some are Asakaima, some in, some in Abu Dhabi. Do you know with um, the Russians, I want to talk about that very quickly, and forgive me for just jumping yeah. on subject, but if you go about five, six years ago, as soon as someone said Russia to me, I was like, oh my God, mm. don't take Russian money, it's X, Y, Z. Mm. And what I've come to realize with Russia, because Russia was actually 7% of our client base last month. Interesting. Which is the third highest. I think it was the UK at 23%. I think it was Indian and then Russian joined hmm. at 7 and 7. And what I've learned with Russians is that obviously we know what's going on in Russia. Sure. But there are a lot of genuine entrepreneurs and really successful people that have decided that they don't want to live there. They don't want their business there. And they're normal people that are just yeah. bringing their life here. And that's because of the war and maybe the regime, whatever that may be. But everywhere else in the world that we talked about at the start have this problem that Dubai doesn't have. Yep. And they're all the millionaires and billionaires saying, do you know what? Dubai's tax corporation next year is only 9%. Yep. My country's 22 or 30%. Yep. Fairmont Hotel has just placed their whole headquarters here. Hmm. Um, so how many businesses are just coming in, millionaires and billionaires? Totally. Just and I think that that is going to only continue, right? So in, in some way... Everyone is leveling up. Yeah. Dubai is leveling up to this next sort of level of quality, level of wealth, level of business, level of competitiveness. Um, you know, uh, Rasul Khaima is leveling up in its way. Sharjah is leveling up in its yeah. way. Abu Dhabi is leveling up in its way. So kind of net-net, it's this, it's this incredible raising of quality and standards at the international scale. And, you know, I, I won't name names, but I remember before I retired, one of a very senior colleague of mine in government said, you know, we always used to, to talk about Dubai as a global city. Yeah. You know? But it really is now. Yeah, I agree. You know, it really, really is. And I think that after it's just like a game changer in terms of the quality and, and, and the speed uh, and the, just the, the tech, level of activity. Even the government tech. I mean, absolutely. I'm not going to bore you too much with it for people that are watching this, but you can literally now get your Emirates ID, put it into, I think it's My Dubai, it's called, mm -hmm. and be able to get your title deeds, your passport information, your Ijaris for your mm -hmm. rentals, your, everything you can get, you can link your do to it, which your phones, you can link your payments for your electricity all into this one app yep. because it goes back to the central ecosystem of all your information is stored, which is what we're... And we're not slowing down. I mean, you see His Highness Sheikh Maktoum and His Excellency Halal Al-Muri like doing all sorts of extraordinary transformations right now and really pushing a lot of really uh, progressive business agendas and onboarding international companies and wealthy people and artists and technologists and investors. Yeah. You know, it is like this whole, it just, it just keeps going. You yeah. know, it just keeps going. So and that's why we love Dubai. That's why we love Dubai. And like, you know, as Sheikh Mohammed always said, the future will not be as kind to us as the past. But I think that just means we get to keep up in our game. You know? We will leave it on that because that is some quote. Um, thank you very much for coming down. It's a pleasure. Uh, Thanks for having lazy me. Brain, uh, dot AI. Dot AI. Yep. When that is ready to rock and roll, we will do a full deep dive into that on here. Wicked. Massive fun of AI, massive fun of technology, and a massive fun of yourself. Thank you very much for coming thank down. Thank you, mate. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, cheers. Bye.